4: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: This is the Greg
2: Peterson Experience on vSEN, the sports betting network.
5: it is the greg peterson experience right here on vcin the sports bank network and we've got three hours of fun that's coming up we wound up seeing a tremendous day of college basketball on saturday so we're going to be recapping a little bit of that and more importantly because you're not able to make money on college basketball games that already wound up taking place so we're going to be turning it forward use the information that we wound up seeing and then from there, we're going to be diving into some of Sunday's games. Obviously, we've got a jam-packed NFL board. Once we wind up hitting Midnight Pacific, which means that everyone in the Continental 48 states is on Sunday, we are going to be diving into it because that means everyone has a college or an NFL Sunday, I should say, in college basketball mode already. So have no fear there, but we've got a little bit to take a look back at as well. And we've got some NBA that we're going to be getting caught up on as well. So Little bit of everything over the next three hours. First things first. For those of you guys that want to betting on the big fight, this one just wound up going finalized. Charles Oliveira he was able to submit Poirier. So this is one in which if you wanted to taking Oliveira you were able to get a nice nice cash on this. And really, I'm not necessarily the biggest one for UFC. I love watching it. I am not good at betting it to save my life. I sort of know what I am and I know what I'm not. And I am not a UFC better, so I am not the guy to come to for advice on it, but with that said, you were able to get right around plus 110, plus 115 on Olivera if you wound up taking that and You wound up seeing quite a few upsets in this one as you wound up seeing Amanda Nunes go down. So if you want to take Pena, right around plus 750, plus 775, depending on where you look. I was actually joined by the... Person on this network that knows a little bit more about UFC than myself, Dave Ross. He actually was talking about how Nunez might be a little bit vulnerable. He was going to be at minimum taking a look at perhaps like a round prop and you wanted up seeing Pena be able to get there outright. So that was a big giant cash if you wind up taking that. So I mean, there's money to be made all over the board. It's like I always say on this show, it doesn't matter what you're betting on, whether you're betting on the national championship, whether you're betting on insert your marquee NFL game here, the Super Bowl, or if you're betting on just random college basketball games on the added games board, well, there's money to be made. Do not apologize of being able to make money, even if it's a little bit of a smaller event because, I mean, whether it be one of these UFC fights on one of the main cards, one of the undercards, or if you're betting on, we'll throw out here just a really obscure college basketball game. Ah, Southeast Louisiana versus Southern. There's money to be made all across the board, but we, you did wind up seeing quite a bit of money when it came to home underdogs in college basketball the last few days. You didn't wind up seeing as many of them today, but home teams continue to be relatively solid. I think that it is always an angle that you want to be taking a look at and None more critical in my opinion than what we wind up seeing in Alabama versus Houston. First things first, I know that a lot of people have been tweeting at me at unit her 41 about this game in general. And yes, yes, the refereeing was not good. It was not good at all. When you wind up having 17 fouls in the first half against the team, and it's just a little bit rough. Now, was Houston fouling? Oh, yes, they were. This was not a case of which the foul differential should have been like eight to seven or anything like that. I mean, Houston was fouling, but at the same time, you could tell that there was a little bit of home cooking in there, and that is, as much as you don't want to hear it, something that you've got to be taking into account when it comes to your handicapping. I mean, we all know this. Every single time Duke winds up playing at home, they're going to be getting a little bit of a benefit of the whistle. If there winds up being a bang-bang play at the end of the game, guess where it's going to be going? Probably not the road team, but it was a really interesting game. And if you want to dig in this little over well, it went way over in Alabama versus Houston. Houston winds up falling by one. The goal 10 at the end of the game, or the lack of goal 10, that is... A very debatable call in my opinion if it's above the cylinder technically it should have been a goal ten. I think that that's one that you should at minimum be able to review because the referees because of it was the end of the game they weren't able to look back at it that I think is the real tragedy of this I know I've heard both arguments with regards to whether it was slash was not a goal ten. that needs to be a reviewable in my opinion but when it's all said and done it is Alabama that winds up getting the win but they do not get the cover they open up right around a one and a half point favorite they wind up closing as a favorite of more around three points this wound up getting up to three and a half in a lot of spots as well and total winds up going just way over and this is a total that winds up closing anywhere between team 145 and a half and 146 both of these teams were taking free throws left right and sideways and that is something that you've always got to be t- t- taking a look at as well because You can say all that you want about the late goaltend slash lack of a goaltend. You can talk a lot about the refereeing, but Houston had their opportunities at the free throw line as well. And Houston was not really able to do a great job at the free throw line. 11 of 19. Now Alabama third missed a couple free throws late, but still, they won 24 of 31 at the charity stripe. So that was something that was very big. Now Houston, always a good rebounding team. They wind up winning the rebound battle 43 to 34 and 21 offensive rebounds. That's Pretty stinking good right there, but you got to give it up to Alabama. They were able to do a solid job, and you got to give it up to Houston as well. Houston proved that they are one of the better teams out there in all of college basketball, and they certainly backed it up on this day. A team that wound up doing what is very difficult in college basketball, going on the road and winning, that would be Arizona. You got to love what you're seeing out of this team. I personally had them in my top 10 coming into the week. I was warming up to them, putting them in my top five prior to this game. I really do feel like this is a... Top five team right now. I don't know if I can go as far as to put Arizona at number one. I think with regards to sheer talent, you do have a little bit more when it comes to Purdue. When it's all said and done, I wouldn't be surprised if Gonzaga winds up being a hair better than Arizona as well. But I, mean, you just take a look at this Arizona team, and right now they're playing some of the best basketball of anyone in the country. Eighty-three to seventy-nine in the final. Illinois in this game wound up at one point having an eighteen to zero run in the first half after Arizona had a relatively solid start. Also keep in mind Arizona. They had problems getting to Illinois. The big reason why you wind up seeing that Marquette versus UCLA game wind up getting postponed a little bit is because you did wind up having some travel issues when it came to UCLA. You wound up just seeing it in general with a lot of these teams that wind up having to go to the Midwest. I think Arizona had to uber the way to be able to get to the stadium, and they didn't appear to be too rusty at all. Despite the fact that Illinois was just hitting three after three after three. It wasn't the fact that the Arizona defense was bad. Illinois was just knocking them down. 16 of 36 from three. Alfonso Plummer along Trent Frazier. They combined to bury 12 out of their 25 threes, 52 points. And yet still, Arizona, even with Kofi Coburn, giving the team 13 points, 13 rebounds, They were able to do a good job. They held up, and Kofi Coburn did not rack up a single foul in this game, by the way. So, I mean, it's not like they were getting the benefits of the whistle, and yet they still won the rebound battle. Arizona is just a really good, well-rounded team. We found out a lot more about them on Saturday. We also found out a little bit more about the Big Ten as well. In the Big Ten, you wound up seeing home court advantage be really big for a lot of teams. And in my opinion, when it comes to specific conferences, I do think that, Home court advantage is really massive when it comes to the Big Ten. You just see these ridiculous home court advantages, whether it be the Breslin Center, the Kohl Center. You're able to throw in their assembly hall for Indiana as well. The list goes on and on, but you wind up seeing Minnesota, a team that I thought was going to be dead last in the Big Ten. The Big Ten media agreed with me. They voted them dead last in the conference, but the big thing when it comes to taking a look at college basketball, not being stubborn, not being like, okay, I'm going to be set in my ways. I wound up having Team X here in the preseason. You got to be willing to adjust. I adjusted on my numbers. So I wasn't able to take Minnesota outright. That would have been that would have been a great call. It would have been a little bit reckless, but it would have been a great call. But you wound up having Minnesota be able to get the outright win on the road by a count of 75 to 65. This is a Michigan team that I've certainly soured on a little bit. And in this game, Minnesota was able to expose a lot of the flaws of Michigan with Michigan... They go just three of 18 from three-point range. This is not a particularly good outside-shooting team, and it's a Michigan team that they themselves have committed a lot of turnovers now. They only wanted to having eight turnovers in this game to their credit, but you didn't have a lot off the bench either. I thought that Michigan was going to be a little bit deeper than a team that's going pretty much six deep, having five points coming off their bench. And for Minnesota, this is a team that they liked up as well. That is going to be something that I think winds up hurting Minnesota moving forward because you got to figure at some point there's going to be a little bit of an injury situation when it comes to this team, but... You take a look at what they were able to get out of Jamison battle. 27 points, seven boards. Minnesota does wind up losing the rebound battle in this game by kind of 34 to 28. But what Minnesota has been able to do, which has led to their success, they have been so gosh darn efficient. Four turnovers in this game. They just did a great job of being able to control the tempo. They did a great job of just taking the full amount of the shot clock. EJ Stevens was able to chip in there, 13 points, free throw shooting, so a little bit of a wool when it comes to Minnesota, but I think it's just so paramount when it comes to college basketball, when it comes to being able to take a look at these teams, is to not be set in your ways, if you wind up seeing something that maybe you didn't project at the beginning of the season, be like, okay, rather than continuing to lose future bets, how about if we get on the right side right now, how about if we buy in on this team, rather than just... Try to convince myself that I'm right, even though I'm not. That's a big thing that you wind up doing on some of these teams, like an Iowa State, like a Minnesota. These teams that you wind up having lower expectations for and they wind up surprising you. Now, don't go all overboard. There's no need to make, like, Iowa State a 15 point favorite on a neutral court against Gonzaga or anything like that because Iowa State is undefeated and Gonzaga has two losses. That's not necessarily the way that you want to be going about it either. But Certainly, you do want to be making adjustments as the season goes along. I feel like there are a lot of people that are prisoner of the moment on Wisconsin as well. The fact that Wisconsin wound up overcoming that that 22-point deficit against Indiana is very solid, but they also wound up getting into a 22-point deficit against Indiana, and that shows some of their deficiencies, and we wound up seeing those Get exposed by Ohio State 73 to 55. Wisconsin winds up losing this game as Wisconsin goes just 6 of 26 from three point range. And you can tell that with, with this Wisconsin team, they are really led by one man that'd be Johnny Davis. He had 24 points, but he had 22 shots. He pulled a good old Carmelo Anthony in this game for Ohio State. It cannot be said enough how big of a Factor Kyle Young is he only had five points in this game, but 14 rebounds. He really is the engine that makes this team go. We're going to be taking a look at a little bit more college basketball as well on the other side, recapping what we wanted to see on Saturday. We're going to be turning it forward to Sunday as well. That is on the Greg Peterson experience on Beeson, Sports Bank Network.
4: and these stories are about how we got here both on and off the court and what's next listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
5: you're
3: experiencing hoops Peterson himself on VSN the sports betting network
5: We have a new prop tracker now available at vcin.com for you to be able to keep up with all the key NFL props. Head over to vcin.com to get the current odds as well as the movement each week to be able to follow trends and find the best value. You're able to do this for odds to be able to win MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and so much more. You're able to check out Prop Tracker. Betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every single game. That is at vcin.com slash NFL. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience. It is myself, Greg Peterson, and Typically, Saturdays have been set aside, mainly for college football. Really didn't see a whole lot of college football today. I know that many people, including myself, were glued in on the Army-Navy game, and it is always a wonderful spectacle. And, well, I mean, there are just some things when it comes to handicapping in this world in which things are tried and true. I'm not necessarily the world's biggest trends guy. I'm one of those people that when it comes to handicapping, I think that trends are things are nice to know. You put it in your back pocket at the same time. You're not going to be betting a team because they're like, oh, five and two against a spread on Wednesdays when the temperature is between 60 and 65 degrees. Player X wound up having like his special salad or something like that. I mean, there are just some ridiculous trends out there and you're just like, what does this have to do with anything whatsoever? So I mean, there's just some of those trends. This one is a pretty tried to true one. The under in the RB Navy game. I wanted being on the under. I wanted taking Navy myself, getting a touchdown, and didn't even need the touchdown. Should have taken the money line, but you know what? You'll never apologize of being able to take a winner 17 to 13, the final, and just another game of which it's just one of these things in which you just know what to expect every single year. And these are some of the best teams ever. Like when it comes to college basketball, UC Irvine is one of those teams. You know that with UC Irvine, they're not gonna go out there, they're not gonna shoot a bunch of threes. You know that they're gonna play slow they're gonna play defense oriented they're gonna do everything evenly possible when it comes to that and that's something that you do love with regards to that uc irvine team but i mean it's just really great to be able to see that and then also for those of you guys that wound up having bryce young to be able to win the heisman trophy it's something that i've looked at the odds on quite a bit when it comes to this show he was able to win the heisman trophy really no shock here if you were expecting someone else to win the heisman trophy I really don't know what to tell you, but Bryce Young was able to win the Heisman. Also going to be keeping our eyes when it comes to some of the injury information with regards to the NFL as well because it appears as though Debo Samuel is going to be active and is going to be playing for the San Francisco 49ers. So bet that game accordingly when we wind up hitting Midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. Going to be really going hard and heavy when it comes to the NFL board. So have no fear there. And then also for all you guys that were betting on the FCS, you actually might up seen. Quite a few underdogs being able to cash on Saturday as well as you wound up having South Dakota State really be your lone favorite that wanted up hitting on that one, 35-21. South Dakota State versus Villanova would, by the way, also be a really good college basketball game as well. That wound up happening, but you wound up having East Tennessee State as a 25 and a half point underdog. They were able to cover against the power that is North Dakota State and Sam Houston State. They were 9.5-point favorite. They just lose by three touchdowns against Montana State, so you certainly saw Some intrigue there. And when it comes to college basketball, glad I was talking about South Dakota State there because the Jackrabbits. They were able to go out there and they were able to get a nice win over Washington State. Washington State, a program that I had some high expectations for coming into the year. And I still think that they're going to be relatively solid, but I really don't know why this line wound up getting bet up because you do wind up having South Dakota State enter as a four and a half point underdog on the opening line, on the closing line. They actually close in some spots more around a six half. At Drive Kings, they wind up closing as a six. And it was 77-74, to the final, with South Dakota State being able to get it done. And this is something that is so important when it comes to college basketball, not being prisoner of the moment. In the last game, South Dakota State had played. They were, I would say, about a 22, depending on your closing number, maybe a tad bit more, maybe a tad bit less of a favorite. They go to Idaho, and they wind up losing the game outright. A lot of people were probably just here like, oh, what the heck? This South Dakota State team stinks. Idaho they're famous for potatoes and they're really not doing anything else. But in reality, Idaho is actually a halfway respectable college basketball school. You wind up seeing them tonight wind up losing but being able to cover against Cal State Bakersfield. They went on the road and they lost by one point. They were a 12 point underdog in that game as well. So when it comes to just one game or one game only, you can't wind up overreacting to a lot of these. I think that a lot of betters wind up doing that with South Dakota State. If you want them not doing that and you want up taking South Dakota State in some form or fashion, you were able to get there, and that's just so big when it comes to college basketball, trying to take everything into perspective. You can't let one performance winding up jading you one way or the other, just something I will never advocate too much about because, I mean, it's just one of these things in which You just see it time and time again. You also need to be taking a look at new information when it comes available as well. One of the things I wound up giving out for the Visa newsletter today was the VCU versus Old Dominion game. This is a total that wound up opening up at 116. Closest anywhere between 116 and 117. It went way in the heck over. 75 to 66, you wound up seeing VCU be able to get the cover. They wound up opening up a a 3.5 point favorite. They wound up closing as a 5 Reason why I was really taking a look at this game is because now you've got a newer player out there, Ace Baldwin, who is projected to be one of the best players for VCU coming into the year. He had played his first game of the season for VCU a couple days earlier. He had 13 points in that game. They were able to take down Jacksonville State, and they were able to cover. The offense looked a lot more explosive, and you wind up seeing that on display once again. Now with regards to your handicap, when it comes to the old data points, you got to be taking those a little bit more with a grain of salt. When you wind up seeing someone like an Ace Baldwin be out of the fold, then then he winds up coming back in. That is something that needs to be taken into account. For those of you guys that wanted checking out my New York Post play on Friday, I wound up giving out UW-Milwaukee. And the big reason why I gave out UW-Milwaukee is that they were having back in there Pat Baldwin Jr. Pat Baldwin Jr. was in game number two. Back in the fold for uw milwaukee you knew that he was going to be playing in that game and lo and behold uw milwaukee they were actually leading with five minutes left to go that actually became a little bit more of a sweat than you would have wanted because they were catching between 13 and a half and 14 points in that spot but they were able to get home they were able to get a nice cover so i think that that's really important and then when it comes to not being prisoner of the moment as well there is nothing bigger than that than the marquette versus ucla game and I know that this is something that winds up happening every single year where you have being, where you have just sort of travel, what you may what have you, because I was talking about with Arizona, they wound up having to Uber to Champaign-Illinois to be able to play that game. That was certainly a little bit of a calamity, but I thought it was so important to not look at the record itself for Marquette and look at the actual efficiency numbers with them. Marquette wound up entering into this game right around 175th, in all of college basketball, in terms of points scored on a per possession basis, they were outside the top sixty with regards to defensive efficiency. They were going up against a UCLA team that was getting healthier and healthier by the day. And when it comes to UCLA, when you think of their point guard, Tiger Campbell, you think of a guy that's passed first, you think of a guy that doesn't necessarily put the ball in the basket. This year is so different than last year, though. Last year he shot right around 25% from three-point range, came into this game, shooting 48% from three-point range. Another great performance from UCLA in the backcourt. That is what I'm talking about, in being able to utilize new information, be able to move that forward with your betting. You're not going to hit every single bet by being able to have some of those angles that maybe some people are lagging behind a little bit on, but it's a big reason why I'd say you've got to do more than just winding up having a little bit of an algorithm and every single and instead, You've got to be taking every single game as its own living breathing entity because all these games are different i always get asked what sort of sets do you look at when it comes to betting on college basketball and i always say this and i'm consistent with the answer and it's not because i want to be cliche but it's because it's true it all depends on who the team is on who is playing in the game because there are some games in which Free throw shooting is going to decide the game. I I would argue that the Alabama versus Houston game was decided at the free throw line, and the bigger reason why Houston probably missed a lot of those free throws is because you did wind up having the team playing on the road. You wind up having the crowd getting all rowdy and everything like that. So I do think that wanted playing a big role with regards to that game. There are other games in which you wind up getting a pair of teams that are in like the bottom twenty in all of college basketball with regards to fouls committed on a per possession basis. Free throw shooting is not going to mean as much when you don't wind up having teams go to the free throw line as much. So that is something that is important. Three-point shooting could sometimes be incredibly important when it comes to college basketball. If you wind up having a UC Irvine game, which UC Irvine really doesn't take a lot of threes, that's something that you can't take into account as much. So I do think that it is so important that you take a look at these college basketball games all as their own little bit of, a different quirk a little bit of a different identity just because i do think that when it comes down to these matchups they really do make fights the good old boxing mantra so i think that that's something that is very important to do and something that's very important to do is to try to just take a look at some of these teams in general that are off the beaten path a little bit more and try to be able to find a little bit of value there i was telling you guys about iupui yesterday they are certainly putting the pu and iupui in that they have yet to score 60 points against a d1 opponent this year that is very good fade but If you're looking at teams that you want to be betting on, on the other side, I'm going to be telling you about one of the few teams in all of college basketball right now that has yet to not cover or that has yet to not wind up being able to cover this right. They have covered every single one of their games. They are going to be in action on Sunday. So you're going to have that coming up on the other side. You've also got a few teams that have been very good to the over. A few teams that have been very good to the under that are going to be taking center stage in college basketball on Sunday as well. So we're going to start diving into the Sunday college basketball betting split. Going to be doing a little bit more NBA in our number two as well. And then in our number three, going hard and heavy when it comes to NFL So We've got a lot on tap right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, eSports Betting Network.
2: experiencing hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network.
5: The Beast Bowl Betting Guide will be released on Monday, and it's got everything that you need to bet smarter on every single one of these bowl games. This year's guide provides matchup analysis on every one of them, including insights, trends, data, and predictions for you to be able to make your best bets. This guide is designed to be able to give you an edge. Whether you're looking to bet every game, playing in contest, or you just want to find a few key high value props the guide is dropping on monday so make sure to get your copy for only 19.99 as at beason.com so i subscribe as we're back here on the greg peterson experience with myself greg peterson and mentioned it just before we wound up hitting our last break the fact that you've got a team in college basketball that's going to be playing on sunday that has yet to fail to cover a spread if that makes sense they have covered every single game that they played thus far this year I put it in a little bit more of a simpler way the second time around. So we'll just stick with that. But how about if we take a look at a game that it involves a team that is not necessarily so sexy. And I think that you guys are going to be knowing or I'm going to be going with on this one. As we've got 765, 766 on the betting board. You've got Monmouth. They're going to be hitting the road. They're going to be facing off against the Pittsburgh team that has been absolutely putrid. And somehow, someway, Monmouth, who opens up a one and a half point favorite, is not getting the money right now. They're fighting themselves. In a lot of places, as a one to one and a half point underdog, it looks like DraftKings still has them as a favorite, but they're one of the few in the market right now. As Monmouth at one point actually did wind up getting up to two and a half at DraftKings, which I thought was actually a relatively good move. And your total on this game, you're going to be finding it at right around a 136 to a 136.5. And, and there's just no trusting in Pittsburgh right now. If you're betting on Pittsburgh you're right now, you're betting on the name on the front of the jersey, and that is about it. You take a look at this Pittsburgh bunch; they rank in the bottom 75 with regards to possessions per game, points on a per possession basis, one of the worst out there in college basketball. They're shooting as a collective, below 27.5% from three-point range, and then you take a look at Monmouth, and what I really like about Monmouth is the fact that you wind up bringing in Shavar Reynolds from Seton Hall, and while he was at Seton Hall, he was a relatively solid scorer, a guy that was able to see some starts, a guy that was able to put the ball in the basket, He, along George Pappas, is right now making one of the best backcourts that you're going to find in college basketball. A combined 33.5 points, 10 boards per game. You've got Papas giving you more around three assists per game, so facilitation can be a little bit lax with this team from time to time, but you just take a look at the way that Monmouth is shooting right now, and it is absolutely superb. This is a team that, as a collective at the free throw line, hits a little bit over 80% of their free throws. From three-point range, they're shooting 38.5% there as well. And then you take a look at what you're able to get out of Pittsburgh. Jamarius Burton, I could tell, is injured. This is someone that a few years ago at Wichita State was actually a very good player. He just has not been able to come out for the same And with Pittsburgh. there's just a team that they have been sacked by injuries. You take a look at it, and Nike Sabandi, he was someone that wanted coming in from Miami of Ohio. You expected him to be able to do some nice things for the team. He has been missing in action for quite a while, and he is not going to be coming out anytime soon because his season is done. You've got John Hughley down low. He's been able to do a nice job. 15 points, right around eight rebounds per game. He probably has a little bit of an edge on Walker Miller. The UNC transfer has been able to do a solid job for Monmouth. He's been able to shoot right around 87.5% free line, 14.5 points per game, but... I do think that free throws are going to be critical because I do think that this is going to be a relatively tight game late when you wind up having a Monmouth team that is shooting over 80% the free throw line. You're able to feel very secure about them. And when it comes to Monmouth, the fact that they've been able to cover every game is made even more impressive by what you've just seen with regards to their schedule. They wind up going on the road a few nights ago to st john's they wound up getting down in that game double figures in quite a bit of it they were able to make a late run they were able to get the cover there they wind up going on the road they take down canisius and niagara outright being able to win both of those games by eight plus points they've won on the road against st joe's they were able to have a spirited effort winning on the road against towson they did wind up losing to charlotte at the beginning of the year but that was by two points so they were able to cover that game as well so it really has been a rock solid bunch meanwhile Pittsburgh. They've already lost on their home floor by double figures to the Citadel. They wound up getting curb stomped by UMBC. The fact that the, the fact that we are celebrating a win for Pittsburgh on their home floor against a Patriot League team is just sad. Now, Colgate is a relatively solid Patriot League school, but and let's call it what it is. Colgate is best known for being a toothpaste, and Pittsburgh was celebrating the fact that they were able to get a win on their home floor against Colgate. That is the sad state of affairs, both with regards to Pittsburgh and the acc in general with the acc you obviously have one rock solid school in duke who i really do like i think that duke is going to be in for a tremendous year i've right now got them in my top five with regards to all of college basketball turning more towards five with regards to that but i think that duke is going to be able to have a great year in coach k's final season but certainly not necessarily the world's greatest conference right now to say the least as you've got right now got 15 teams in that conference. I know that there's a lot of people saying that they might only get four teams in the NCAA tournament. I'm sure that they're going to be able to find a way to be able to scrape by with at least five. Somehow, someway, Syracuse is going to wind up finding their way in as like an 11 seed. And lo and behold, Pixie Dust is going to be sprinkled upon a zone defense that right now looks like it's got holes bigger than Swiss cheese right now. And somehow, someway, it's all going to be shored up. There's going to be some team in the NCAA tournament that can't score on them for like 15 straight minutes. It's just A story in which is as old as the dawn of time at this point when it comes to college basketball, but I mean, it certainly has not been going well for them. It's going a little bit better for our good friends over there at Baylor and Villanova. How about if we had on the big whopper of a game? Because this is going to be the basis of my New York Post play. I'll be hitting on this in the final hour as well, but you do have 747, 748 on the betting board, and you got Villanova on the road being between a four and a half and a five point underdog. And your are drawing this game. You're finding it at a 130 and a half. We're seeing quite a few fives pop right now where I'm at at Circa. You're finding a five. And I wound up writing up for the New York Post Villanova with the points. I wound up setting this line at three. I think that these teams are relatively equal on a neutral court. What I think it's going to be big as well. It's a little bit of a revenge factor here for Villanova. You may recall that this is a matchup that we wound up seeing in the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. Villanova was without Kong Gillespie in that game. Guess who's going to be playing in this game? Colin Gillespie, it's a strength-on-strength strength battle. You've got a Villanova team that is ninth in the country with regards to fewest turnovers on a per-possession basis. They do a great job taking care of the ball. Meanwhile, Baylor, in terms of steals, force on a per-possession basis, they rank third in all of college basketball. They've been generating over 10 steals per game. What I think is going to be really critical, though, in this game, there are some games in which it matters a little bit more than others when you wind up finding a spread in that, I will call it, Four to eight range, I think, is very fair. You could extend it a little bit more, but I think in the four to eight range is incredibly important free throw shooting. And when it comes to free throw shooting, guess who has the advantage? Villanova. And I think a lot of people will be surprised to know Baylor's in the bottom 75 when it comes to free throw shooting per They as a collective are shooting right in the neighborhood of about 66% free throw line. This is not a good free throw shooting team. Meanwhile, Villanova as a collective, they shoot well over 75% of free throw line. That is going to be really big in this game, in my opinion, because you've got a pair of teams that they don't necessarily play up-tempo, but they're incredibly efficient. Both of these teams in the top 12 in all of college basketball and points scored on a per-possession basis. Baylor's willing to play a little bit faster than Villanova, but we saw it in that NCAA tournament game in 2021, and you've got largely a lot of the pieces from that Villanova team returning, only now you wind up having Colin Gillespie in the fold, and that they did a great job of really slowing things down making things really, really grimy, really, really gross. Baylor in the second half of that game, they were able to take hold because they were able to generate a few turnovers. If Colin Gillespie is out there, I don't think that they would have generated those turnovers. And I, in my opinion, if Colin Gillespie plays in that game, there's a chance that Villanova wins it outright. I'm not saying that they do win it outright, I'm saying that there's a chance because obviously we're, we're never going to know what winds up happening if a uh, guy doesn't get hurt but I do think that this is a good spot for Villanova it's a battle tested team you take a look at their two losses I mean you wind up losing to Purdue and you wound up leading that game late in that one and then you wind up losing on the road against UCLA in a game that was super duper late and you could tell that they just wound up running out of gas and they were just tired in general in a massive body clock game I do like what I'm seeing on this team. meanwhile for Baylor they do have, in my opinion, the best rebounder in this game. That would be John Chama Chachwa, right around 8.5 points, 8.5 rebounds per game. full Thumba is able to give you a block per game, but I do think that Villanova is going to be able to do a relatively solid job on the glass. You've been able to have give- Quite a few guys be able to step up with, for this team. Eric Dixon is able to give you right around five to six rebounds per game. I think that he's going to be a key for Villanova being able to hang in this game. So, I take a look at this spot. I do think that the total is set a little bit too low because I do think that you wind up having a 1-2-ish possession game with a minute left to go. And what that is going to lead to is Hacks. Guy's going to the free throw line. Set this total a little bit above 140. some. I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. As a matter of fact, we wound up settling on a more around 143 when it comes to the total. So I certainly do like this total over. And what I wound up giving out for the New York Post is the points with Villanova. I wound up setting them as a three-point underdog. So being able to get, in most places, a 4.5 to a 5. It does appeal to me. So we're going to be taking a look there. We've also got number one in action as well. We're going to be hitting on this game a little bit more on the other side. But you've got 739, 740 NC State playing up against Purdue. Purdue is finding themselves as a pretty hefty favorite. Fighting them anywhere between a 13 and a half to a 14, and your total on this game, it is anywhere between 141 and a half and 142. Now, this is pretty darn close to the line that I want to making this. I want upsetting Purdue as a 14-point favorite. So, if you really think Purdue is going to be able to win this game and they're going to be able to just run and hide with it, I would encourage you guys. To take a look at Purdue now, if you, like me, think that this is a line that is going to continue to go up and up and up, you probably want to wait because I don't think that there's going to be a lot of people betting on NC State, but we're going to be hitting a little bit more on this game on the other side right here on the Greg Peters Experience right here on Visa, eSports Bank Network.
4: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports betting Network.
5: We're back here in lovely Las Vegas. More specifically, Circa, the wonderful sportsbook and resort. For the Greg Peterson experience with myself, Greg Peterson, right here on v the Sports Betting Network. And right now, we're taking a look at the number one team in all of college basketball doing battle on Sunday. As you do have Purdue, they're going to be taking on NC State. Right now, NC State finding themselves anywhere between a 13-and-a-half to a 14-point underdog and your total on this game. You're going to be finding it in the very low 130s in a lot of places right now. We are seeing this clocking in anywhere between about, or I should say, the very low 140s. Anywhere between a 141.5 to a 142.5 drive kings right now is the lone 141.5 that I'm seeing. But when it comes down to it, I 13 and a 13.5 myself with Purdue. I set this line at 14. I figured that there's no way that we're going to get too much of a better line when it comes to Purdue. I would rather lay it with them because... I do think that this is a line that's going to be going upwards when you wind up having the number one team in all of college basketball and NC team that we're going to call it what it is. Deron Sebron has been very good for the team. 21 points, be able to chip in their 10 rebounds. You got questions outside of him and you've got Sebron who is the team's top scorer and he's able to pop threes. Problem is he shoots 7.7% from three point range. That's... Greg Peterson range right there. I mean, I could shoot 7.7% from three-point range if I wound up lacing him out there and going out there right now. So that is going to be a big, giant issue. And when it comes to NC State, I was talking about it with the ACC in general, a team that I am really souring on. I thought that Manny Bates was going to be a dominant low post player. Well, he wound up getting injured in the first half of the first game of the season. Has not been seen since then. So that means that someone like an Ebenezer Duoria is going to have to do some things down low for the team. He's been able to get the team right around five points, four boards. So he's been able to do a relatively okay job. But I mean, Casey Marcel dealing with an injury may or may not play in this game. If he does wind up playing, you've got to figure that he's going to be less than 100%. That's an issue. And when it comes to Purdue, you can't just, in my opinion, be jaded too much by their performance that they wound up having against Rutgers. You take a look at just what Rutgers has done time and time again at home it is a house of horrors for just so many of these Big Ten teams. I'm someone that I come from the great state of Wisconsin. I can tell you right now, every single time Wisconsin winds up having to go to the great state of New Jersey to face off against Rutgers, I pretty much shock it up as a loss because for some reason, whenever Wisconsin winds up setting foot in the rack, It's as if they are Superman, and they have all of a sudden met their kryptonite, and there's no way that they're going to be able to overcome it. I think it was the Superman movie that came out in, like, 2005, in which you wind up having, like, that big, giant thing where they wind up making Planet Krypton or something like that. I mean, that's Wisconsin when they wind up going to New Jersey to face off against Rutgers, and it certainly is a big, giant case in which you wind up seeing that for a lot of Big Ten schools. I think that Purdue is going to be able to get back online. This is a Purdue team that overall this year, shooting over 41% from three-point range. Jaden Ivey has been nothing short of tremendous for this team. And you get a combined 16 rebounds per game out of Zach Eady, along Travion Williams. Williams is actually coming off the bench on literally any team, aside from maybe Gonzaga in all of college basketball, this guy would be starting, and he's got All-American talent. So that shows you just the depth that this Purdue team has. Now, Caleb first might be dealing with a little bit of an injury, but you've got so much depth when it comes to this Purdue team. You're still able to go eight, nine men deep. So I have no concerns there. When it comes to NCC, they've got absolutely no depth whatsoever. So I do take a look at this spot, and I do think that this is going to be a good bounce back for Purdue. Certainly shop around. I've wanted to make this line 14. I was willing to lay 13 and a half, knowing that the steam is probably going to be coming in on Purdue. They're probably going to be bet up to like a 15 in the AM. So, if you like Purdue like I do, you probably want it better right now because I don't expect this to be holding on much longer because I do think that a lot of people are going to be looking at this much like myself, and they're going to be looking at it for a bounce back. And I did have someone on social media ask me if I do wind up taking that into account. If you do wind up taking a look at scheduling spots, bounce back spots, and absolutely you do have to because I do think that when you wind up playing sort of like a back-to-back, if you're having to go, from west to east east to west and it certainly does take a little bit out of you and it goes into the handicap of home court as well because when you do wind up having to go west to east you have to factor in not only the fact that you're going to be playing in front of a little bit of a ruckus crowd but at the same time you have to factor in the body clock like when it comes to these 9 a.m games and we're going to be hitting on one of them in a minute i'm talking 9 a.m pacific because you end up having a 9 a.m easter game you have 18 to 22-year-olds, and you're really looking at the under. But I do shave my totals down a little bit more just because, once again, you've got 18 to 22-year-olds. Now, in the case with COVID-19, a couple of guys are more like 23, 24 years old. But you're dealing with a lot of guys that they don't typically like to wake up early. I can tell you right now, coming from experience, I was someone that I would stay up until... The crack of dawn, when I was out there in college, I'd be going to Molly Maguire's, having some nice beers, and then I'd be waking up the next morning and be like, oh, it's noon. Great work, Greg. Great work. So, I mean, you always have to keep in mind the human element of these things as well. But, I mean, how about if we take a look at one of those early games? Because I wound up liking the early on, the over on this game earlier now we've gotten to the point where I do see a little bit more value on the under. That'd be 731, 732 on the betting board. As you do have Miami, they're going to be taking on Fordham. Fordham is finding themselves as a pretty sizable underdog in this spot. They open up at 7.5. Now you're finding them in a lot of places at an 8. Even here at Circa, we're seeing more of an 8.5. And you're your this game, it opened up at 139. Like the overall 139, now we're seeing at DraftKings as high as a 141. If you still have a 139 available, then I'd be starting to take a look at it, but I personally set this total at a 139.5. You've got a Fordham team that is starting to play a little bit more up-tempo. They wanted up bringing in a coach by the name of Kyle Neptune. He was over there at Villanova the last few years under Jay Wright. He's done a great job of being able to bring in some talent for this team. You wind up having Darius Quinsbury and Antonio Day Jr. Winding coming in as transfers, Quinsberry was really the top scorer for Youngstown State last year with Antonio Day Jr., a guy that was able to give you multiple seals and was the top scorer for Florida International last year. These guys are combining for him. 35-ish points per game. So they're able to do a nice job there. When it comes to Miami, you yeah, really don't have a lot of low post play. And when it comes to Fordham, I think that they should be able to hold them in this game. You've got a guy by the name of Chuba Ohms who's been able to give the same 14 points, a little bit under 12 rebounds per game. He's been able to do a great job down low. Now, you've got a pair of teams that they don't necessarily shoot it terrifically from three-point range. Fordham right around 30.5% from three-point range. Miami, ditto for them. You've got a Miami team that you've got two guys that'll be able to do a pretty incredible job of being able to hit some shots for this team with Miami, Isaiah Wong has been able to do a nice job chipping in there, about 14 points per game. You've also been able to get you've also been able to get Cam Mcguffy chipping in there, right around 17-ish points per game. After that, this has been a really rough offensive team. Sam Wardenberg is a guy besides they will give you some good three-point shooting, but he anyway, pumps in there about seven points per game. Now uh, you did wind up seeing Miami be able to take down Penn State a few days ago in the ACC Bank 10 Challenge, but. I think that that says quite a bit more about Penn State as well. I think that with Minnesota playing as well as they are, Penn State probably going to be relegated to the bottom three of the Big Ten along with our good friends, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, who even with Bruce Pearl out of the fold in the game that we want to seeing on Saturday, lost Auburn by more than 30 points on a neutral court. So I was excited about Nebraska coming into the year. Not excited about them anymore. Not excited about Miami in this spot. I do think that Miami just has better sheer athletes in general. I do think that Miami should be able to win the game outright, but part of the handicap as well is that this is a Fordham team that is based out there in New York. This game is being played at the Barclays Center. So it's officially an NICL neutral court game, but I let's call it what it is. You've got a team from the, state of my, from the state of Florida. I almost said the state of Miami, which almost should be its own state, but from the state of Florida. And then you've got a team that's out there in New York and Fordham. They're playing at the Barclays Center, which, as we know, that's where the Brooklyn Nets wind up playing. Guess who winds up getting a little bit of a home court advantage for me? I wind up putting this more around, like, what I would award for a half a home court advantage. So, typically for Fordham, I would award three points. They get a little bit more of a generic number because there are some teams that they wind up getting a little bit more than three points. There are some teams that they wind up getting a little bit less than three points for home court. I wind up setting Fordham's at three, but this is more of a spot in which... I wind up shaving it by more like a point and a half in this spot. So that's the way that I wind up breaking it down there. But it could only make Miami more around a five and a half point favorite. So I do think that you got some solid value there. How about if we hit an, on another early one before we wrap up our one? We're just going to go down the board. 733, 734 on the betting board. Florida State, South Carolina. This is going to be taking place at Rock Hill Sports and Events Place. And you've got yourself Florida State who opened up a five and a half point favorite. They've been steamed up to a lot of places. a Six and a half point favorite. And your are tall game. Is 137.5 to 138.5. Now I have no earthly idea why the total is coming down right now. You've got a South Carolina team that I recognize that they're inefficient. I recognize the fact that they commit right around 15 plus turnovers per game, but they're certainly a team that they are not slowing down for anyone at this point. And you got a Florida State team that has been a relatively mid-tempo team, but they're one of the best teams in all of college basketball at being able to generate steals. South Carolina is a team that plays fast, and they don't do a good job of being able to take care of the ball. I think that you've got yourself a classic mismatch right here. When it comes to South Carolina, by the way, with regards to possessions per game, they rank 47th at all of college basketball. I think that this is going to be a case in which the strength of Florida State is going to expose the weakness of South Carolina. South Carolina is going to be turning the ball over left and right. You've got a South Carolina team that they themselves don't do a great job of being able to hit their outside shots. And you did wind up having a little bit of an injury when it came to Jermaine Cousinard. He's going to be in the fold for South Carolina. I would argue doesn't help him too much. He commits over four turnovers per game with right around two assists per game. So I'm taking a look at Florida state in and an over in this spot and in hour number two, going to take a little bit of a look at the NBA as well. That's up next right here. I'm the Greg Peterson experience on v Esports He's Network.
0: It's Freddie Prince jr. And Jeff died back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey Jeff.